0: Vaughn McMillan, founder and CEO of Advocate for Me, LLC, in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. So welcome to our episode number four. And today I'm so excited, so, so, so excited because I have my first interview, and it is with a real good friend and mom who I met when I did uh, my Autism Mom's Night Out event. And she was one of our guests. And ever since then, we've been friends and moving and shaking and and empowering families ever since. So I want to welcome tonight, uh, Shantae Douglas. Welcome, 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 welcome. Thank you.
1: (laughs) I'm so hyped to be on your show. I'm so proud of you. You continue to keep doing amazing things in the community. So I'm just happy to be on the podcast. So yeah, I'm excited.
0: Thank you so much. So tonight, I'm going to ask uh, Shante a few questions, and then she can share, um, after the few questions, she can share, you know, whatever she wants to share to families um, who are caring for their children um, with special needs. So um, the first question is, um, when you received your child's diagnosis, what was your first reaction? And you can share what that diagnosis is.
1: Okay, so my son Levi, who is now seven, um, initially it was a developmental delay, um, and he was, I want to say he was almost two years old, so he wasn't quite two years old, and that's when we immediately started early intervention services. Um, From there, it went to um, once he turned three. We were able to get an official diagnosis of autism spectrum disorder. Um, and with a at the time we didn't know what type of speech disorder, but they they classified it as a speech disorder. Now we know officially it's echolalia. And my initial just with hearing a developmental delay, I bust out crying in the doctor's office. And You know, things were already kind of tense between me and his dad as it was. So to add that on was kind of like adding, like, fuel to the fire. But, you know, it took me a couple weeks to really process, you know, what, you know, what was really going on with my child. Because prior to even knowing anything you know, hearing the diagnosis of, of autism, I didn't know anything about about autism and all the things that I know now. Like, I think the only thing I remember hearing about autism while I was watching a 2020 special on the relationship between horses and kids with autism and how it, it helps them with communication because horses seem to are, are extremely intelligent and they just have this Um, way with with um, with kids with special needs so that was the only thing I really even knew about it so once you know I got myself together emotionally um, I think it, it quickly transitioned from me being upset and like being scared for for you know for my child to really just diving into what did I needed to do to support him, you know, like what's the next step. And at that's, it was just rough. Like just honestly, it was just really rough because I really felt isolated. I felt like, um, who can I talk to that's been where I've been at going through this journey. And that's where like social media really is a positive because you can link uh-huh. up with so many people, not just within, you know, your local area, but like people that live, you know, down south, west coast, overseas, um, other, other people who have nonprofit organizations that do certain things that, that's a need within our community that, you know, typical parents kind of like don't have to think about that we do, you know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. it that's really what my saving grace was, was building a tribe of people that I knew would understand what I'm going through emotionally, what my son's going through, you know, and, and you, you know, and, and you, you're in the field and you definitely know, like, you know, it's not easy. It's not for the faint of heart to really be a hundred percent dedicated to your child that needs a lot more assistance than the neurotypical kids, you know, and, Yeah, it was, um, honestly, and I don't really talk about this too much, but I felt, I'm just going to be brutally honest, I... Oh no, please do,
0: please do, because it might help somebody else. I
1: felt disconnected from Levi for a little bit, only because I didn't understand autism, and then I wasn't understanding what meltdown, what the difference between a tantrum and a meltdown was, because you know, we were going through the toddler phase. So, you know, t- toddlers and tantrum goes hand in hand. So you don't know, like, is he just having a tantrum because he's two and a half or is he having a meltdown because it's a sensory overload and I didn't even know like what sensory overload means. I didn't know like kids can be undersensitized or oversensitized what sensory input. What, like, I didn't know none of that. It was just more of like learning as I go and like researching and stuff. And um, I think what brought us back together was he he felt connected to Elmo. And I was like, oh, okay, Sesame Street? That was something part of my childhood, you know? And I'm like, okay, so we can build on mm-hmm. it. And um, first it started with me taking him to Sesame Street Live, which was a complete train wreck. What what set him off was he wanted to go on stage. Like, I had made sure I had got tickets, like, really. <laughs> that was probably my fault because I had got tickets, that was close to the stage, right? And I was like, "Yeah, this will be, this will work, because he'll be able to see, you know, the characters." Why did I do that? Because, and fast forward, he's kind of like the same way. He just wants to be front and center of everything, right? He was trying to get, he was trying to get on stage, and I was like, "No, baby, we, you know, you can't." The net. That, that set it off, and like to the point, I couldn't, I couldn't um, calm him down. So we had to end up leaving. So we were only at the show for like thirty five minutes, and I spent all that money on tickets. I was just like, I was so frustrated walking back to the car. It was a lot like what I want to tell parents, like if you're newly diagnosed with your kid and you're still trying to figure stuff out, it's going to take a minute for for you to um, be comfortable going out with your kid, knowing what their limitations are, how to handle people who's going to come up to you and say something smart or say something really out of pocket um, or give those You know and, and you've seen those stares They give them like side eye looks uh, Like well, what's up with, with your child Because it's not like Our kids have a physical Disability where you automatically get that Sympathy because they're like oh he's In a wheelchair or oh and this Is no shade to That other portion of the special needs community Um, But um, Not saying it's even easier For them but like is less explaining when when and, and, mm-hmm. and that's just like the psyche of people like when you physically see somebody in a wheelchair and they have cerebral palsy or they have some other type of physical disability you're like oh okay i get it but like with my kid you know he's running around he just has he's doing like these these body movements he's stimming, and they're just looking at him like well what's wrong with him like why is he being quote unquote uh. weird you know what i'm saying so, or you know you
0: gotta be you gotta learn how to control your child like if you are in the environment but they just don't know what's going on right at that
1: time. so um it's it's really um it's really a journey and it's a journey that once you once you overcome a, a roadblock you're going to hit another one because as kids grow they hit new milestones and then and with that comes with a whole new set of challenges that you gotta you know kind of push through if you can you know what I'm saying but um it was rough like um I try to be as transparent as possible when people ask me about you know me and Levi's journey and sometimes I look back and I really don't I mean, I I know why, I mean, God, God doesn't put on you what you can't handle. And and he knows who is mentally strong to persevere. I mean, I get that now, but at the time it was like, I was going through a really toxic relationship with his dad, um, that resulted in like a domestic violence situation. Um, so having to deal with that, or not dealing with that because I was so busy trying to make sure Levi was being supported and going to therapy sessions and trying to find the right daycare and preschool. Um, I really didn't take care of myself like I should have. And that's so important when you're taking care of being a parent in general, but especially with us as special needs parents, we take on, you know, even more of a responsibility than a lot of neurotypical parents don't even have to think about, you know, like we're doing virtual learning. Most of the typical parents, okay, yeah, log in, you know, do your class or whatever. We log in, we have circle time. Then we have a one-to-one session with his teacher that we're working on, like goals on his IEP. Then he has um, speech sessions, which just started this, uh, no, started last week with the school. Then he has, um, his special classes, which me, you know, which is like his art classes, his, um, music class, his math class. Then I just added additional speech therapy outside speech therapy, because I felt like what was given to him through the school wasn't sufficient enough. So we just started that. And he has a TSS support. Mm -hmm. So it was like all this stuff that I have to juggle these neurotypical parents don't really, you know, they don't have to worry about that. And it's not to like downplay parenthood for them, you know, isn't as difficult, but it's like, you know, people really take for granted what what they don't have to think about that we do, you know, and I, I have a, I have a child that really didn't start talking and I'm talking about like putting sentences together until he was about four and then really, like, learning, like, two-step requests, like, Levi, get this and put it there. That didn't start happening until he was, like, about, like, five and a half. So, it's, like, um, that's why I'm so big on celebrating every little milestone that he that he hits because yeah. he wasn't doing that last year or he wasn't doing it six months ago or three weeks ago. So, um... And getting back to, you know, just being a single parent, um, it's rough. It's, 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 it's extremely rough. And um, I think even now, like I'm in therapy now, dealing with finally healing and, and dealing with things that I, I should have dealt with five years ago and I didn't, but um, I think it was a way for God to tell me like, you need to, you need to take care of yourself because you're going to check out like mentally and you can't keep running on a thousand and don't do self care. And um, you I you. ended up being officially diagnosed with PCSD. And um, the end of last year um, Levi was also diagnosed with um, an adjustment disorder due to trauma. So we're both in therapy. Um, and what's kind of great is when I talked to his therapist, she also helps me as well. So I kind of get like a, du- a double helping of support. Because, I mean, it's only, it's only right that, you know, when she's doing her therapy sessions with him, she always starts the session up by asking, like, how's everything going with you? Are you, you know, staying on top of your therapy sessions? Are you getting enough support? Is there anything that we can do to better support you and Levi? So that means a lot. And they've they've stayed with us through the entire pandemic. Thank God. Because everyone, you know what I'm saying? Like, everyone doesn't have that luxury of having that support. And... Um, it's it's something that I don't take for granted because everyone doesn't have that luxury and and unfortunately you know we see the disparities in our communities um, you know black versus white as far as what's accessible and what's not and who do we trust to diagnose our kid who do we trust to you know make sure that we're getting the quality care that we deserve for our kids you know what I'm saying so it's kind of like you know just a lot of stuff being compounded within the black community as far as making sure we have resources available you know for kids that um, have autism or whatever other type of special needs, and that they're getting quality um, care, you know um, to help them you know um, you know just thrive and have the best best life that they that they can. Um, I think in the beginning it was what fueled me was the fact that I just didn't want to let Levi down and Mm -hmm. it was already bad enough that, you know, his dad kind of just, you know, checked out and he's still kind of like the same way. I mean, he stepped up enough to take him on the weekends. But to me, that's like I can get a babysitter to do that. Like I need you to show up for therapy sessions. I need you to call and check up on your son. Don't just check out after you know, I pick him up or you drop him off Sunday nights. And then I don't I don't hear from you or see you until the following Saturday. You know what I'm saying? Like he's missed so much as far as Levi's progress. That he really doesn't know his son. You know what I'm saying? I think it's like, and like I told him, I had, you know, I had a conversation with him and I said, it doesn't bother you that like the times that you didn't have your son, you're around your boys and they, they're out with their kids and God knows what, what lies you making up or why, why you don't have your son. But you know what the truth is? Like you checked out, like you gave up on him and that's not cool. You know, I don't care what happened between me and you because that that was between me and you. But this is an innocent child that didn't ask to be here, didn't ask to to be diagnosed with autism, didn't ask to have two parents who who aren't together anymore, and um, you know, he's just trying to find his way in the world. But you 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 missed out on so mm. much, and at this point, like, just being completely honest, Levine, like I I have giving up that fight of with him like I don't even need to exert that energy no more like you already know what you need to do like Levi's about to be eight years old come February if you don't know by now what you need to do um and it's the same thing week in week out he has therapy sessions he has wraparound services he's in school you don't even know where the school is you haven't met the teacher you don't even know that you know, I went to battle with the school district for them to accommodate my child because they weren't following his IEP. And we've been, um, awarded some things to help him so that I can pay for things to help support him better. Like all that's, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. And, you know, you get to bask in the glory when you get them on the weekends, (laughs) you know, like, oh, you know, that's my son and everything. Yeah, okay, but, like, what else are you doing besides just, you know, having him for, quote-unquote, like, literally, like, overnight? You know what I'm saying? So, it's like, Mm -hmm. I know there's, like, a lot of, there's gonna be a lot of single parents that's gonna be listening to this, and um, what I want to say to them is, like, you know, I was at that point where I was just like, it's never gonna get any easier, and this is gonna be my life, but, I want to I want to give a quote that my dad always tells me. He said, you know, people there's people out there that wish they could complain about the problems that you have. And that put things in so much perspective for me because like we get stressed out. You know, we 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 go 1000 for our kids every single day. And then you add a pandemic on top of that. But guess what? Yeah, I got laid off from my job, but I was actually able to get my job back. You know, um I still have a roof over my head. I'm still able to put food on the table for me and Levi and clothes on our backs. There's a lot of people, but even before the pandemic, weren't able to do that, you know, and they're struggling out here and they got kids with special needs and they don't know who to talk to or what resources. And, you know, I just want to tell them, like, if you can't find a way, make a way. That was always my, my, um, my life motto when, you know, after I split up with his dad and um, trying to figure out my identity again, trying to, like, stop having nightmares when I... And if I get emotional during this, I'm sorry, but, no, not you not. know, it was not times not. that, you know, I was having nightmares. I couldn't sleep. and that, And that, when I go back and I think about, like, certain behaviors I was exhibiting... Those were classic signs of someone who had PTSD. And I just didn't realize it. Like, I was wondering why I was getting so agitated a lot, having anxiety attacks. Like, before we would leave the house, I would be like, All right, I know he's going to flip out when we go to Sesame Place or when we go to Please Touch Museum or we go to the zoo or we go to the supermarket or we go to the doctor's. Like, it was like a whole monologue in my head of, like, almost like trying to predict something bad, and, and instead of saying, like, okay, what can I do to prevent you That's know, these situations know. from arising? so I had to kind of, like, re reprogram my brain to think that way of, like, alright, let's make sure we got snacks, <laughs> we got juice, um, my phone is charged, <laughs> um, bring his favorite toy, what you know, whatever his safety thing is, bring that with us, so that sense of being prepared would cut down on the amount of, um, um, anxiety attacks that I was having. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, it was, um, and I know I just gave you like such a long answer to that question.
0: <laughs> no, but that was awesome. Cause you, cause you, I, while you was talking, I was actually writing some stuff down. Um, you mentioned sensory processing, um, And so this month is Sensory Processing uh, Awareness Month. So um, if you want to talk a little bit more about sensory processing for those who may not know what it is.
1: Yeah, um, so um, sensory processing, especially for kids with autism, you know, we all have the five senses. And I think the best way to um, explain it, if you think about it like how your brain works and your brain is a is is one big network right and you know how neurotypically our brains can i don't want to say shut off a certain section of your brain but it's supposed to be programmed where you know i can be talking to you on the phone right and i hear something but it doesn't trigger me because my brain already knows like it's telling me like okay you hear someone parking their car outside but I'm, I'm currently talking to you on the phone. Now, like, if it's someone that's on the spectrum, that sound outside could be triggering to them because all of their, um, all of the switches are on. There's no way to kind of, like, calm it down. So that's why, like, you have these, what I call, like, sensory overload um, situations because they don't know how to filter, like, the light is too bright or I hear a drip of water and that's too loud and like what people have to realize too is that those meltdowns is a response to pain it's not because they don't know how to respond it's really like it hurts like the the lights being too bright that hurts their eyes like something being too loud that really hurts their ears because everything is like and that's why I really look at people and kid like adults and kids on the spectrum as superheroes because like it's almost like think about it with Spider-Man. If you really delve into it, he exhibits a lot of like the sensory processing um, um yeah. things that people on the spectrum like if you look like always in the beginning he doesn't know how to control what he sees and he can't control things that he hears and no one else can hear his sense of touch you know what I'm saying like so that's really that's all like lined up with with kids on the spectrum and it and it's kind of crazy how I see so many kids on the spectrum gravitate towards Spider-Man if you, you ever noticed that correlation you know what yeah. I'm saying like that's yeah. it's really yeah. crazy right yeah
0: i was about to say that was a good correlation that you did because they do like a lot of um kids that i work with like they have like right man toy <laughs>
1: so right dressed
0: up like right. Spider man so that yeah they do they do um take a liking to him and you know i never looked at it that way um but while you were saying it, like, I could picture, like, in the movie, like, when he was, <laughs> go, you know, going through, like, you know, covering his ears if he right. heard, like, a loud sound or, you know, like you were saying, like, with his sense of touch or, or something. So, while you were saying it, I was picturing, like, some of the scenes from the movie. And I never
1: put that correlation together. Yeah. But that was I think a good what made one. me, like, I really pay attention to it more was because Levi started, um gravitating so heavily to Spider-Man. I think that was also due to Miles Morales. Because you see, you know, a black kid with uh-huh. curly hair and, you know, Levi would just automatically just gravitate towards him. Which and and that goes into why like representation matters so much to, to kids because they're sponges. Like to see someone that looks like you dressed as your favorite superhero that made me dive deeper into, you know, the correlation between like sensory processing and with, um, and if you really think about it, a lot of the um, Marvel characters exhibit a lot of autism traits. Like look at rogue, like she can't touch people. If she touches people, she absorbs whatever their, um, their powers are. So she don't like to be touched. And, um, uh-huh. I forgot who uh, another one that's like really like sensitive to like their environment. But it's, it's, that's why it's like, really these, these kids and and these adults with autism, they're, they're not weird. They're not freaks of nature. They're really just, excuse me. They're, they're truly, they're truly amazing. And the way that their, their brains like, Like I just realized, Levine, like with Levi, I was talking to his um, trauma therapist and I was telling her, I said, so one day, you know, he goes through like um, things that he's obsessed with watching on YouTube. So for a while he was obsessed with watching like old episodes of Wheel of Fortune because he was so obsessed with the sound of the wheel spinning. And, and the wheel ticking to the mm. point where he can mimic it to a T. So I thought he was watching. I was in my room and I thought and I kept hearing like right? And I'm like oh he must be watching Wheel of Fortune. Well how about the show wasn't even on. He had figured out a way. He had turned his truck over took a little car and put it up against the wheel to make the ticking sound. Like to make it like tick. Like it was yeah to, to make, make it that, like it was slowing uh, down and like stopping on like a number or whatever, and now like when we sit in music class, he's on pitch. Like when he sings, like even the music teacher was like, "Yeah, I think he needs to try out for choir or something when he gets older." And like he, when uh, he hears something, and I think that so goes along with with the echolalia that it's really he really can mimic. He can mimic um, a muffler. The car screeching, a car crashing, um, even and this is going to sound crazy, but he can even mimic, you know the um, what is it? It's the traffic lights before the race starts. Like it counts down. It's like, dun, dun, and he and he can imitate mm-hmm. that because for a while oh, he okay. kept doing it. Okay. And I was like, what is he? I'm like that sounds familiar but I'm like what is he doing so he was watching a clip from like the movie Cars or something and I'm like oh my goodness like he has gotten to the point where he however his imagination is running and he makes sure that he can imitate everything within that environment that he's creating within his imagination like his he he blows my mind like every single day like how his imagination goes and how when he delves into things he just he gets so consumed with it that he can imitate. Like, he can imitate certain parts of a video game. Like, it's, it's his, he just blows my mind, like, every single day. Every single day he blows my mind.
0: Yeah, I know one of the kids on my case, who he would take, um, he was in 3K, and he would take, like, the clay or the Play-Doh, and whatever was the picture on the box or, like, a toy box, like, he would create that with the play-doh like i would like every time i would come in the class and work with him i was he just blew my mind because i was like how do you even see that and he would make it really tiny to the point where you had to like really take a look at it and then look at the box and then i'd be like well, what did you just make and he'd be like oh i just made um like it would be um a wheelbarrow or something or it would be a kid like he would literally just take it and create it from out of the clay and i was like i told his mom one day i was like you got yourself right. like a famous artist or something i was like "Cause it's just amazing how he just take like a ball of clay and it would start out as a ball and he would just form it into exactly whatever the the puzzle box i mean whatever was wow. on there he created it with play-doh or clay and i like i would take pictures of it i don't have that phone anymore but I, had, um, I think he was on my caseload like five years ago, but I don't have the pictures, but I wish I had to, like printed them out and like put them in, like it was just amazing how, and so I can really agree with you, like what, you know, what their imagination is and how they can remember things. I remember working at one center, um, I was with the teenagers and I did um, overnight care for them, so it was like a group home setting, and one of the guys remembered every single, like, whatever the weather was. Like, he read the Almanac with his grandfather. So you could have asked him, like, what was the weather in, like, 1965? He wasn't even born then. And he would tell you exactly what the weather was, what the temperature was, um, what the um dew was. And then if you looked it up, like, I would Google it, because me and him would sit um, on the weekends when I was working, and I would Google it, and he would be exactly right. Like, I
1: was just like, how did you remember that? Like, you wasn't even born yet.
0: (laughs) So, like, their imagination, their brain, stoke up so much information. It is just, like, so, like you were saying, like, they like superheroes. Like, they're so powerful with what they can do. Um. So yeah, so thank you for sharing it and and explaining it in the way that you explained it because somebody can relate when they think of Spider Man or when they think of some of the Marvel characters now that they can see, um, you know when they're uh like different this different senses and to pay attention to it like that's my thing is paying attention to it um I know the character in my children's book David um he doesn't like loud sounds this was his first time in childcare um and he you know make a high he was nonverbal so he made like a high pitched noise when they would have music played um and the teacher in the classroom like she took notice to it she didn't say it was a behavior problem but she went to go seek information and seek help um with amongst our staff to find out exactly what was going on because she didn't know what to do for him. Like, she wanted to make sure that she was taking care of him in the classroom. But if, you know, they have different lessons and based on their curriculum, they got to have music. So um, they did get him the earmuff uh, or he went into another classroom when, um, I said earmuff, earphone. <laughs> or he went into another classroom um, when they had music class. So just being... Uh, able to know your surroundings and know how to adapt your classroom so that you're making sure that all your children um is uh learning in the right environment and that you know that's making sure that they're all taken care of and that you're adapting it and not making them adapt to your um, classroom situation so thank you for sharing that about the sensory processing Um, And then one other thing you had talked about was self-care. I'm going to tie both of them together, self-care and therapy. Um, So, and you you and I already had this conversation when I told you that I'm glad that you know you were seeking therapy because a lot of people in our community, they don't. Um, And I I did the same thing when I was going through a lot of my personal um, issues. Um, I have both of my kids, uh, well, one of them um, received trauma therapy and then we're actually about to sign up my daughter um, for therapy um, because she has, like, these emotional, um, I call them emotional spots where she goes, like, she cries for, like, half an hour, 45 minutes, uh, nonstop, and she just thinks about everything about her childhood. Um, so I'm looking for therapy for her now but was therapy that somebody suggested to you or was it something that you was like, let me just go get it. Cause I think I need to support. Yeah. It was though.
1: definitely me. Um, what triggered, what triggered me enough to know like something wasn't right was taking Levi to, um, the child psychologist. This was back in November of last year. Yeah. November last year, because I started noticing behaviors outside of what was typical to autism like he would have these fits of rage and I knew it wasn't like a sensory thing because we were home and it was during like wraparound services and I'm like what is going on like to the point where it was almost like one time he like balled his fist up and was like ready to like hit me in my face but like my reflexes was fast enough that I I grabbed his arm and I'm like y'all like what's going on and i was like all right it's time to really you know go talk to someone and see what's going on and then sitting in the office talking to dr zimmerman that's that's been his um child psychologist for almost a year now um and me having to talk about um and i'll 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 talk about this incident cuz i haven't really like publicly publicly talked about it so the reason levi has um trauma disorder almost three years ago um it was just like any other day um it was on the weekend my my routine was to um drop Levi off at his other grandmom's house because his dad was living with his mom at the time and dropped him off and you know his dad told me you know he's gonna be with me you know the whole weekend I said all right so I get to work And I noticed that I had left because at the time he had um, an ear infection and we were using these antibiotic drops and I still had it in my, um, my scrub coat. And I was like, oh, I forgot to give him, you know, the drops for his ears. So I had texted him and I said, listen, I said, um, are you going to be home with him when I get off of work? Cause I'm, I'm done work at, you know, four o'clock and he was like, yeah, I'll be home. I was like, yeah, I'll just drop the, um, the medication off on my way home that was about nine o'clock in the morning right so around one o'clock I decided you know I'm gonna go to lunch I get a phone call so his dad's like hey are you um are you in the office right now I'm like yeah I'm in the office right now like what's up so he was like, can you step outside for a minute? And I was like, for what? I said, what's going on? Because now I'm already getting agitated. Like, now you just, you know, you dragging it out. Like, why'd you call me? And then I could hear the tone in his voice. So I'm automatically like, getting more and more agitated. So I'm like, "What? what's the problem? So I was like, just tell me. And he was like, well, um, someone found Levi outside, wandering around the neighborhood with no clothes on. Only thing he had on was a pull-up because he wasn't fully potty trained then mind you this was a week before my <laughs> child's fifth birthday so this was the end of January right after we had that really bad cool snap so it was like still in the 30s so you I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm like first I was like wait what what and I'm like just screaming so you know and no one at work has ever seen me like mad like that level of mad because I I can't say what I I said on the phone but my point was made that my point was made that listen um (laughs) where's my child at right now is he safe you know what I'm saying and um I'm going off on him because I'm like well you were supposed to be home with him so where are you at Oh, I'm at work. How are you at work? You haven't even paid child support. So what do you do? Like, you know, it was just like because once I get mad and then I know you're lying, I'm going to start like it's almost like those um, I'm throwing questions at you left and right. I don't even give you a chance to answer those questions because I'm like, yeah, because then I get really mad and I'm like, the the more I I feel like you're lying, the more mad I'm going to get. So then he was like, well, he was home with my mom and um, all right, no said, hung up on him. Called her. She she picks up the phone and she starts crying. So automatically, like, that sent me off the edge. I was like, what are you crying for? And I was like, what happened? And once again, I because it's your podcast, I cannot say what I said to her. But if you know me very well, anybody who's listening who knows me, you know how my mouth is when I'm really mad. So I cannot say that. Um, but, like, I was like, what are you crying for? And what happened? And all this stuff, right? So, at that point, I was so mad that I was like, I blacked out. Like, that's how mad I was. Because, like, my first instinct was, I'm going to leave work. I'm going to jump in this car. And it's a Saturday, middle of the day. Ain't no, it's not, like, a lot of traffic. I'm going to get in this car. I'm going to drive to her house. And I'm going to whoop her ass. Like, that's really where I was at with it, right? Right. But then something told me because we were in the middle of like a custody thing. And I said, I, no way. Yeah, what she did was crazy, but I am never going to give them leverage exactly. to take my child from me. Never. You know what I'm saying? Like I had every right to put my hands on her. But how's that going to look when if she decided to like call the cops on me and they're like, well, why'd you put your hands on her? And then I explain it like, well, yeah, we get it, but still, you, you can't do that.
0: But at the end of the day, yeah, you gotta have that mind, right? Uh, so you can, you, you thing, yeah. So you can uh,
1: understand like the uh, level yeah. of like, mm-hmm. and 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 mind you, um, this was what almost three years ago. So yeah, I, I, I still hadn't addressed the issues I had with his dad. You know, I was overworked. Yeah, so it was like came mm-hmm. Um, something told me call your dad. Just call your dad because my dad is kind of like that calmness side of my personality comes from him. Now the, the other side, the rah, rah, I'm a, what's up? That comes from my mom. So, <laughs> so I, I get a healthy balance of, of both of their personalities. So, um, I got like two blocks away from her house. right? <laughs> and my dad had called me cause he was, he was, he just so happened to be like up like near her neighborhood. Cause I had called him. I said, dad, can you go get Levi? I'll explain what happened later. Um, I'm leaving work now. And I was like, I probably might beat you to her house because there's no traffic. And it's literally like without traffic, I can get to her house in like 15, 20 minutes. So I was like two blocks away from her house, Levine. And my dad called me. He was like, don't even bother. He was like, "Um, I'm home with Levi. He seems to be okay. So I get to my parents' house and... Like, I could just tell the look on my dad's face. He was pissed. And he was like, yeah. He was like, I came up in the house, and he was covered in poop. It was like she didn't even want to change him or nothing. She stayed upstairs. And as he's telling me this, then I'm getting even more pissed off. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to call DHS. So I called DHS. I filed a neglect complaint against his dad and his grandma. And then the lady, so let me just tell you, like, how, like, DHS you know child protective services they're all a joke because they came to my house first to investigate me and I'm the one that called <laughs> I'm the one that called and it, and they came to my house first it was like well this is standard I said how I was like first of all I have a small apartment so clearly you can see everything's clean every the water works you know whatever else they got to check my child is healthy he looks you know what I'm saying I said you need to go over there and talk to them and I said and, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna tell you they're gonna lie because That's what they do. They need need Academy Awards for the way that they be lying and putting on an act. So sure enough, because I know how his mom is, so, you know, they went over there to investigate. And when they came back to me, they was like, yeah, we went over there. She started crying. And I just really think it's just an accident. So we're just going to close this case out that it was just an accident. I said, now, you know what? I said, because if I had to do something like that, y'all would have took my child. So what wound up happening is she told DHS that she took some Benadryl. And fell asleep First of all Let's take autism Out of the equation Who in their right mind Thinks that's okay To take Benadryl In the morning For a cold And you gotta watch A four year old What part of that Makes sense At all You know what I'm saying So it was Right. So then I said, then I told the the, the social worker, I said, and then the other thing that doesn't make sense, my son doesn't elope. He doesn't do it with me. He doesn't do it at school and he doesn't do it with my parents. So just magically, he just does it with them. And I said, he won't leave the house without a jacket on. So you mean to tell me my child went outside the house with nothing on, but a pull up, no socks, no sneakers, no coat, no hat, no nothing. And he's wandering the block. So I was like, any of that makes sense to you? So it was like, part of what was really messing me up was the fact that, you know, Levi wasn't as verbal as he is now. So he, he had all, all Uh of that whole, that whole day is still in his brain processing and processing and processing. He doesn't know eventually because now we're ramping up speech. I'm pretty sure I'm going to get because his memory is always on point. So I'm pretty sure he, he'll be able to go back to that day and be like, mom, this is what happened. And then it's going to, I, and thank goodness I'm in therapy now that it may not trigger me as bad as it did before, but at least it'll give me, um, some closure on, on what happened that day to him, because that's the worst feeling in the world to be like, you know, something, something could have happened to my child. You know what I'm saying? Like he could have got hit by a car. He could have got kidnapped. You know, somebody could have molested him. Anything could have, he could have, he could have got attacked by a dog. You know what I'm saying? Like anything that you could possibly think of with a child that is not typically verbal for his age. You know what I'm saying? And he was supposed to be in the care of people who are supposed to protect him. They didn't. So that really just like messed me up. So they have to talk about that last year, that triggered yeah. me to the point where um, I was in the office, like, crying. Then I was getting super, ag- like, I was getting so agitated that, like, I couldn't find ways to calm myself down. I said, oh, man, I'm like, you know what? I'm really in a bad spot right now. Like, I was having headaches. I couldn't concentrate on my work. Um, I was like, something just isn't right. So thank goodness my job has an assistant, I mean, an employee assistant program where you can call and like inquire about different things Mm -hmm. whether it's like you need help finding a babysitter or you need legal Mm -hmm. advice or whatever it's like a one-stop shop kind of thing but you don't have to pay for anything because it's it's um it's kind of like a um a perk that that's paid for by the job so I had called them and I was like you know I'm in the need of you know talking to someone you know a therapist a counselor whatever and they linked me up to a therapist and matter of fact, she lives in Pittsburgh. So we, we had already did the whole FaceTime and telehealth thing before the pandemic happened. So I've been talking, I've been having sessions with her since December of last year. And it's, you know, some, some sessions are really good and some of them I'm crying. I'm, I'm, I'm crying during a session and um, that's the hardest part. I, I, Like, I hate being vulnerable. And the only reason I say that is because people will use Mm -hmm. that as a weakness and use that against you. And that's not healthy either. Like, I can't keep, Mm -hmm. you know, tears inside because I'll end up drowning in my feelings. You know what I'm saying? Like, emotionally drowning that you can't find any relief because, like, once I did, like, opened up a lot more to her and started talking. I just couldn't stop crying. Like you couldn't it was like right. I was but you're
0: holding it in all that time. Right. And like so said, it was you like had
1: no outlet for it. Holding it in for so long and um putting on the brave face, you know, I got this and nobody has it. No nobody on this planet has it all together. And if they say they do, they lying. And you add social media to it, you can you can create whatever world you want people to see. You know what I'm saying? And no, everybody doesn't have it together. Everybody's got their their struggles that they're going with. Everybody's got their demons that they're trying to fight. Um, and I'm not ashamed to say that you know I'm a work in progress. Like I had five years. Well in my adult life that I'm addressing. There's some things that happened to me when I was younger that, and I'll I'll be transparent. So when I was um, around Levi's age, I was molested by one of my cousins. Um, I don't really remember too much about it. Only, and the only reason I say this is how crazy my brain works is when, when my grandmother died and I watched her die in front of me it triggered those memories because I kept having these reoccurring... I was having nightmares of, of my grandma dying, but then I was also having these reoccurring um, memories of being at my grandma's house and my cousin pulling down his pants, trying to get me to, you know, touch him. And it was so vivid. Like, it was like looking at a movie. And I was like, something... Like, something's not right. Like, I keep having this... This, and it was like playing over and over again like, a, like on a loop every time I would close my eyes and I would go to sleep I would have that same dream so at the time I was seeing a grief counselor because I was traumatized by watching my grandmother die um, and the way she died was horrific um, she had pancreatic cancer and what ended up happening the cancer metastasized so much that her liver ruptured her liver ruptured and when that happened it was, like, black stuff coming out her nose, out her ears, out her mouth. Every orifices of your body, it was coming out of. And she was literally, like, drowning in it. So, trying, and then, like, I hear my mom, like, screaming in the background because she's never been around, like, dead bodies before or, or somebody dying. And I have, like, I because I used to do hospice care. So, I was used to seeing, like, hearing the death rattles and, you know, being there as support for people you know, going into the final phase of dying, so I, I was used to it, but this is family, you know, those, those were just patients that, you know, I was there as a sense of comfort, but, you know, watching someone that was the matriarch of your family trying to, she was, like, when I say she was a soldier to the end, like, she was literally trying to fight that, like, you know, and then and, and to see, um, literally see her soul leave her, like, you see life in her eyes and all of a sudden like, her eyes just went gray. Mm -hmm. And rigor mortis just like, all of that, like, Mm LaVon, I'm telling you, like, when I tell people, like, um, and I didn't even stick with the grief counseling, so I don't even know if I really, like, did what I needed to do as far as grief for her. But, um, and it's so emotional when I talk about her because I miss her so much, but Um she um the 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 nightmares finally stopped and she came to me um matter of fact like and I I, people think I'm crazy when I when I talk about this, but like when she died, like her her spirit stayed in the house for for a while. But the only two people she was making her presence known was to me and my mom, because we were the ones that was there when she died and my dad thought we was tripping like he don't believe in none of that and I was like Mm -hmm. dad I'm telling you like I would be asleep and I could feel somebody sit on the side of the bed like you feel the dip in the in the mattress and someone like someone like rubbing my back like first it scared Mm -hmm. the crap out of me because I was like I was like I'm not going to turn over and look to see if anybody's sitting there but it scared me, but then it was a <laughs> sense of comfort that I knew that was my grandma. Right. And that, then that, she would visit mm-hmm, my mom. So my mom used to sleep like, mm-hmm. because that that like, that like whole experience totally messed her up too. So she was sleeping like, she wouldn't even sleep in her room, she was sleeping like in a den area. And the door was kind of like one of those accordion doors that would like slide open or whatever. And she would lock it, but then like mm-hmm. um, she said for a couple nights straight and it was always the same time it was always like around like 2 3 o'clock in the morning the door would rattle and my mom had a couple cats and she first she would just think like oh it's one of the cats trying to come in but then like no it's not them because they're locked downstairs in the basement so it's not them so it was grandma trying to like you know make her presence known to you whatever but eventually um we stopped feeling her presence. So I think, like, she, you know, her soul could finally rest. And then she came back after Levi was born. And I would take him over to my parents' house. And we would be in the family room. And Levi would keep looking in a certain direction and start, like, cracking up. And I was like, Yeah. Yeah. And, he my, cracking up my and then I would be like, You know, grandma's here. Like, you know like she came back to see her great-grandchild and then what was crazy i had a dream about her recently like a few days ago and i haven't i haven't dreamt about her in over 10 years so the dream was she was just really happy she was just like so peaceful um and i felt like a sense of peace i don't know why she came to visit me again in my dream mm-hmm. but um yeah it was um it was it, yeah and and, and I, I'm saying all this because I know like somebody is going through a lot whoever's going to be listening to this and I never really talked about the molestation um and and full circle this is how how really weird it gets so when my grandmother was dying of you know and going through like her last couple weeks of life with cancer. She was living in my parents' house and I was, I was still living there as well. So my cousin, the one I told you that did a, some inappropriate stuff with me, he decided he wanted to come see, you know, I mean, that's his grandma. too. so he came by to visit, brings his pregnant wife with him. Right. So I'm in my room just chilling. So my mom was like, well, your cousin's here. And I was like, okay. And like, I don't want to see him. Like what do I need to see him for? So, um, I come out the room cause how my parents' house is like, it's like a rancher. So everything's like on one floor. So you come out, like the bedrooms are always off to the side. So you come out the hallway, there's a living room and then you go through the kitchen. So as I'm coming through the living room to go in the kitchen, I'm just standing at the doorway. Cause I didn't even want to walk into the kitchen. I'm standing there talking to my mom or my dad, but he's sitting at the table with his wife and his wife is preoccupied on her phone. He's looking at me like like some like a random dude would want to look at you like they trying to holler at you. And I was and then just brought back like all this like crap all over again. And I was just like I just want to punch him in his face right now. And I was like so I just like made some excuse of why I had to leave. I was like I'm gonna go take a drive or something. But I and I haven't even talked about this to my therapist yet like the only thing she knows and that was already like enough for her to hear was like everything going on with um you know with, with Levi's dad and um you know the the incident where he was you know left on his own and wandering like that was enough in itself like and all that other stuff like Really, all that was mm-hmm. just kept compounding, 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 compounding. And your brain can only take so much before it just tells you you need to sit down somewhere and talk to somebody and heal this brain so you can live a happy, fulfilling life. Like, I'm no good to nobody if I don't take care of my mental health. I'm no good to my son. I'm no good to my friends, my family, to myself. Davis. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's too much life to live to not what, what's the saying? It's too much life to live by not trying to live it. You know what I'm saying? Like right, mm-hmm. or, or or letting the right or, and, or letting, in the letting the past imprison you that you 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 forget to, to learn how to live or yeah. how to thrive. You know what I'm saying? Like, um Yeah, it was a lot of pain it was a lot of great times in my past too, but um, unfortunately the pain is what will hold you down and hold you back from allowing you to be the best version of yourself. And um, I'm, I'm I'm in this phase of my life now where um, I'm so unapologetically me. Like I really don't care if people judge me. I don't care if... Uh, People don't understand me or they don't get me or, you know, they don't they don't understand why I go so hard for autism, why I go so hard for my child, why I'm so particular, who I surround myself with, because you got to protect your energy at the end of the day, because people who are miserable, they will suck you dry like emotional vampires. That's what I call them. They're emotional vampires. They see you smiling and glowing and trying to live your best life. And they over here stuck in a rut because One, they're comfortable being where they're at and they don't want to push themselves to be uncomfortable, to 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 overcome whatever they need to overcome. And I can't live my life like that. I I just feel like I have so much to live for and so much to offer in this world that I refuse to give power to people who try to destroy that. You know what I'm saying? Same thing with his dad. Like, it would be so easy for me to wallow in and on his rampage of like, he wasn't doing this and he wasn't helping me. And he not. And guess what? I can curse him out, scream, yell. It's not going to budge and and make him do what he needs to do. He got to come to his own understanding of what he needs to do for Levi. Me screaming and yelling and cursing, that's not going to do nothing but raise my blood pressure and stress me out. That's not going to do nothing for him.
0: Like I tell my mom, like when you know when right. she having those moments, I be like, "That's time you're not gonna get back. Like that's how that you wasted all that energy and stress. And as um, right. whoever you talking to, they they taking it in however they want to take it, and they could just walk around, walk away, just right. as cool as if a cool as a cucumber. Like ain't nothing happened. And you sitting there, your blood pressure up, you angry, you yelling, you screaming. Like I had that happen to me maybe two three times, and the third time I was like, "Oh, I'll never,
1: right. never
0: ever let anybody take me out of my character right. before like that." I was like, "I just can't have that happen." Like even my family members, were like, "Yo, I ain't never seen you like that before." But it was just like so much. I know exactly what you're saying. It was just so much that, like, you were saying, like, you holding it in. You're not, you know, you may tell a few people, but they don't understand. So. You know, they'd be like, oh, child, you know, go ahead and, you know, do what you got to do or, you know, things will get better or, and not saying that they won't, but at that time and moment, that's not what you want to hear. Like, you want to hear, like, you need an outlet and you need to get it out. And if, you know, you don't have that support system, then it's just like, it just stays in and just keeps building up and building up and building up. And then when they see you at that point and you like, they like. I ain't never see her like that like I used to tease my family like if I ever get to that point again all all people gonna say is she was so nice like I never know she would do something like that and I was like I don't want y'all saying that about me I was like I cannot allow myself to get to that point so like I was saying you know sharing with you know with, uh, when you were sharing about therapy like that's why I had to go get therapy like I was like I, I can't let nobody take me to that point again because that's not me. Like, I really felt like I was living, like, an out-of-body experience. Like, I was like, that's, that person I do not want to see no more. Like, that's, and I don't want to, you know, get to the point where I'm cussing, fussing, trying to fight somebody, and especially if my kids are there. Like, that's the thing, and that's what occurred, was I got to that point where and my kid, like one, like one of my children, like literally had to stop me. Like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> I was like I was, I was like, right. I don't know what I'm doing, but we out of here. Like, this will never happen again. Um. So I, I know you mentioned, you know, going hard for Levi and going hard for um autism. So I want you to share some of the things that you're doing because you are doing Thank some you. amazing things. Like I'm so proud of you from the time that. At, um at the autism mom's night out and now like you are <laughs> like seriously blown don't up make- so I'm not gonna I'm gonna stop talking <laughs> Just you and I don't want to run out of time yeah. so I definitely want you to share about everything that you're doing um how you're advocating for Levi how you're educating other parents and um and then share any other projects and also how people can um, Contact. Because okay. I know we had like sort of like maybe got like 15 minutes left. Um, So I just want to make sure right. that we can get well, all in, that. Thank
1: I um, appreciate we run it. <laughs>
0: Yo, I just love it. Like I remember, he was like, "I wrote, I, I got wrote a children's book when we was at the autism house night." I was like, "Okay, now where is that?" And he was like, "Oh, I'm working on it." <laughs> I was like,
1: "Okay, let's yeah, go." Like, oh man, so um, I'm a children's book author. Uh, my very first children's book um, is called Levi's World. I really didn't promote that one too much. It was kind of like. See if people really can, you know, embrace the book. You know how my writing skills are, and then, and you know what, a lot of people tell me that. Like, I mean, I love the book in general, but like, it's like almost like a social story, but you kind of wrote it from Levi's point of view. And that's when I didn't have a budget. I didn't know about Mm -hmm. illustrations or none of that, and I was just like, you know, I'm gonna just take a whole bunch of pictures, put them through this app. And make them look like illustrations, format the book myself, and there we go, Levi's World. And when the Miles Morales movie came out, and I saw how Levi was so um, into, you know, seeing a kid that looks like him dressed as his favorite superhero, I said, you know what, I'm like, and then Black Panther had came out, and I was like, you know, I said, representation matters so much to our kids, and that they need to see more of themselves. In books, in movies, in cartoons, in, in all forms of media, on TV, you know what I'm saying? So um, I was like, I, I really want to create um, a superhero character that's my son. And, and Echo Boy was born. And what was crazy is once I linked up with, and shout out to Reggie Byers, who was such an amazing illustrator... Reggie, I love you. You yes. are, yes, <laughs> you are a godsend. Like yes, the way love that you, he just Reggie. pours his soul into <laughs> my characters. I don't think anybody else would have pulled it off the way he did. And yeah, but, he,
0: he's amazing. Like he'll take your right. concept and turn it into reality, like as he did. Well, those of you who don't know, like he did my book as well, and I was just
1: right. Like, Right not, when he sent me the
0: just Every the cover, I started crying.
1: So I, I was like, "That's yeah, exactly what somebody. I wanted." <laughs> and, um, <laughs> yeah, shout out there, yeah, right? Like, uh, that's where ABC Girl was born because one, I never had a a second child, and I'll I'll never be able to have a, a second child. But um, I feel like if I had a daughter, it would have been Jasmine. That's why, like, when you when you read the book. And if you haven't read the book yet, I will tell you how to get it. Um, But she's so feisty and fearless and um, she loves Levi to death and she just, she's that type of friend that we all need regardless if we're a kid or an adult, you want someone that's going to ride for you no matter what and don't, you know, doesn't tolerate anybody picking on nobody and. Um, And that's what she stands for, you know, in the book. And I I just love her so much. And um, the whole, like, it feels like a momentum is shifting for me. And I didn't really realize it until, like, you know, you was telling me. And, like, someone else had, like, reached out to me was like, yo, you were doing so many things. And I'm not really even thinking about it like that because I'm like, I got to get up. I got to log in for work. I got to get Levi ready for virtual school. I got a dentist appointment I got to take him to. I got... Doctor Zimmerman appointment. I got the outpatient therapy appointment. I got my own. You know, I got so many things I'm juggling that I'm not even like sitting back and like um, mm-hmm. taking it all in. That like I'm really gr- grinding out here to, you know, get people interested and okay. in, and in, and loving this book, and educating people who may not. them there's still people who aren't who aren't familiar with autism because. They don't have anybody in their close circle that has it. So it's like people don't really pay attention to stuff unless it directly affects them. So it's our job as parents who are in that community to to be like, hey, you know, this is my child. He has autism. I'm not ashamed of him. I will never be ashamed of him because the way I look at it, if I don't believe in Levi and I don't ride for my child and I don't stand behind him and advocate for him, who else is going to do it? and then it's like where's his confidence? and it's like well well you know my mom didn't believe in me or my mom didn't do this for me then like what's my worth out here you know what i'm saying like i'm i'm instilling in him like listen you are going to make a difference in this world and you are going to make your mark in this world and guess what like the autism is 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 part of who you are it's not a deficit it's not something to be ashamed of it's not something to hide from you embrace it and you be apologetically who you are. You know what I'm saying? Um, I don't know why I get, I get emotional when I talk about him, but, um, you know, I'll, oh, I'll do. Fine,
0: cause you his ride or die. You, you're his advocate.
1: Like, here right.
0: we go, an advocate for me. Like, that's exactly why I titled it that way. Like, because like you were saying, like, if you're as the parent if you're not advocating for them then who, who who's gonna do it like in the schools like you gotta I know like even with my son like I had to make sure like everybody understood you know that he had a feeding tube like they understood that you know he got nurses coming to see him like that was their first time being around anything like that like I remember came, his two came my teacher called me hysterical like I don't know what to do like what am I I'm like calm down right. he know what to do like he like I taught him I educated him he cool I'm on my way but you know just being able to to be out in the community and educate others right. that's 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 my goal and I know that's your goal like so that they can say that they didn't know, like we giving them an opportunity, whether it's a children's book, whether, you know, it's a podcast, whether we're coming to the school to talk to you, like we're, we're making it known, um, you know, what our children are, you know, are diagnosed with what they're going through on a daily basis so that later on, when you're with our children, you know what to do with them. Like, you know how to adapt to them. You know how to, you know, take care of them. You know how to, you know, look out for them like right. um, ABC Girl does for um, Echo Boy. So I definitely commend you. <laughs> I don't know if you're
1: Spanish, um, but I know you're
0: blowing up now. Yeah, that, I, don't I just love my character. So that,
1: um, what I'm working on oh, and before, I'm, I'm like all over the place, but um, I just released The coloring book for abc girl the book is so adorable and it's like everything that i imagined um just bringing out her personality because i really just wanted to showcase her because it's easy because of echo boy that's levi so i the first solo book i wanted to do was introduce who abc girl is Mm -hmm. and what she's about what she stands for what she loves and who she loves and you know, how much she cares about Levi. And um, it's so it's so many nice little gems that I put in there to for kids to learn about values and learn about autism. And it's just, you know, the, the book is just really amazing. And I can't wait to see kids color it and be creative with it. And if they do color it, you know, take a picture of it, send it to me. I want to post it, you know, on my pages just to show off the artwork and see how creative you guys get. Um, I did um, finish the manuscript for Echo Boy's solo book. The title of that is going to be, Are You Okay? A Story by Echo Boy. And that's going to help kids who have suffered trauma or have just had a terrible, terrible day. That's how I kind of describe it in the book. So when you read it, it's not going to re-traumatize the child. It's really just going to be a sense of comfort. Um, I'm looking to get that illustrated and finished, hopefully, by February, the end of February. Um, During my layoff time, (laughs) I I don't even think I even told you this. I developed one, two, three, four, five more characters. So three more that's going to be with Echo Boy and ABC Girl, and two of them are villains. So... They're going to be black and brown kids. So the whole squad is going to be black and brown kids. Um, The first one, her name is Selena. She's 11 years old. Um, Her superhero name is going to be Halo. She's in a wheelchair. And she's like the techie girl of the group. Um, She's really smart. She likes making gadgets and stuff for, you know, everybody else on the team. Um, Her service dog is, uh, her name is Kiana. But um, Selena calls her Kiki. And she's this big, um, I forgot what that breed is, but they look like like half wolves. And they got those piercing blue eyes. That's that breed. She's going to be that breed. But she's going to be this big, gigantic dog. And when she's helping kids, she turns different colors. So when a kid is mad, she turns red. When a kid is scared, she turns yellow. When a kid is happy. huh? She right, like right. Dog. Yeah, she's yeah she's an emotional <laughs> support dog. I
0: said she's like a mood dog.
1: Yeah, and um, the, the third character for the, the team, his name, I originally, I'm going to probably end up changing his name, but right now I have his name is Andrew, and he has a prosthetic arm, but the arm is really cool because it unlocks different things that he needs, so when he's riding his bike, it unlocks other like gadgets and stuff, and he has a little sidekick named Socket, and um, the villains is Hydra Girl and Dr. Arrogant. So um, the team name is called the, the Phenomenal Five. The title of the book that's going to be coming, because this is going to be a monster book, because I've already, I started writing the story, but to get these characters like illustrated and everything, um, Dr. Arrogant won't be in that book. I'm saving Dr. Arrogant for another book, but Hydra Girl mm-hmm. will be in that book. Um, The title of the book is going to be The Battle for Justice, and we're going to be talking about racism um, and how, you know, kids around that age, how they how they deal with it, because I want to make it at that level so that it can be relatable to um, to that age group. So it's not too heavy, but it still has a message to it. Um, It's going to take me a while to really like finesse the story and detail it so that I make those points across. So it's not too preachy. It's not too heavy. But when parents sit down and read the book to their kids or the kids are reading it independently, you know, they, they can get some good, um, takeaways from it. Um, what else am I working on? Oh, I am doing a interview on the 19th with a, um, podcast media group that reached out to me. This is like so crazy, but they reached out to me on Twitter and they were seeing me post about um, my children's book the coloring book and they were like you know anything that you you know you want us to help you with you know we would love to do it um but we want you to come in for you know to do an interview with us and I'm like sure yeah I'm definitely I'm not gonna turn that down so I'm doing that um I'm doing another podcast uh sometime in November so yeah I'm just um yeah, as far as the children's book side, I'm I'm pretty busy. I'm I am doing something for the adults, but you know I'll I'll I'll, I'll say that for a different interview. But yeah, that's all that I'm really uh, doing. And you can catch me on Instagram, Echo Boy's Mom eighty two, or my business page, Echo Boy and ABC Girl. Um, all of the books are available on Amazon. So the Adventures of Echo Boy and ABC Girl and ABC Girl, the wonderful world of ABCs. Both of them are on Amazon. So I Levina I love you. I always appreciate you supporting me and believing in me so much.
0: Yes. I know when we first met that first time, I was like, Look, you just gotta go. Like educate everybody. Like I my vision is to have like a whole special needs section. And they could already have it, but uh, our books would be over there right. too. Right.
1: Um, right.
0: And Barnes and Noble and at the library. <laughs> so they might already have it, but I don't see our children. So that was my like that was my goal is making sure that we have like a whole section for our children to see themselves um and powerful. Like you know, like a superhero or, you know, just sharing their journey. Um I'll share real quick Jordan, we did the cover for his book. I've been talking about his book for almost a year now, um, but when you got a teenager who, who loves video games, it's just a matter of him actually sitting down, and I don't want to tell his story, so um, we did do the cover, um, and hopefully we'll have that out. I want to say okay. before the year, this, the, uh, this year is over, but we'll see. Um, but yeah, but thank you so much for coming on. Um, like I was sharing with Shantae earlier, she's my first interview because usually <laughs> y'all just hear my voice for a few minutes and then I am off. But <laughs> it was exciting to talk to her. So I know we had to catch up on some things because we've both been like really busy during the um, pandemic with uh, virtual school and life and, you know, being authors and business owners and everything else. So it was great to catch up with you. I want to tell you that you are so awesome. Like just to hear like your story and both of our stories are kind of similar uh, with our past and, you know, just making sure that we're empowering others. Um, we're um, inspiring ourselves. Like you were saying earlier, making sure that we, build ourselves up so that we can be there for our children and not only our children
1: I thank <laughs> you
0: thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you 100 million times yes yeah, like i i just love what you're doing um that 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 abc girl book like i was sharing with shante i gotta get yes, it for my is. daughter but i definitely <laughs> gotta get it for myself because she's fierce on that cover like uh, yeah, she is fierce. Like, I was just like, yes. And I saw it on Instagram. I was on screen in the house. My daughter's like, what is wrong with you? I was like, ABC girl got her color and blue. Yes. Like, it's, it's like, yes. Like, like, I'm ready for her to be a real character <laughs> yes, walking did. around. Although we did have one in Jersey when we... <laughs> <laughs> yes, but I'm just ready for her to be like I'm waiting for somebody to pick that up as a cartoon. Like seriously, Echo Boy and ABC Girl. I think that would be awesome. So I'm sending it out yes. into <sighs> into the existence so that one yes, day
1: your book will yes. be an
0: actual cartoon. Like I'm just saying. So anybody right, Netflix, come on. Nickelodeon, <laughs> Disney, whoever wants to pick it up first, I, I'm shouting it out right now Uh, (laughs) oh yes somebody like that that cover and that character is so Mm -hmm. awesome but thank you again um so I know both of us will be um at an event on Sunday in Lansdowne PA with awesome brushes um Alexis Woods and she will be on the show soon um so, we have a few parents that's coming on that I'm interviewing for the month of October. So, I'm so excited that they get to share their story. Um, so, those of you who already know and those who don't know, you can follow Advocate for Me um, on our website, www.lmadvocateforme.com, or you can follow us on Instagram under Advocate for Me underscore L McMillan. Um, i'm still working on the facebook page because some of you know that um it was disabled and i can't get access to my business page anymore so we may be taking it down and then bringing up a whole new one so i will keep you guys posted about that um